The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, and we're going we're gonna to continue our discussion on the judgment of the saints. And... I use that word judgment carefully because our judgment took place where? Who can tell me where, my, where you, our judgment as God's children? Where did it take place? On the cross, that's right. So when, when we say judgment, we're not talking about God judging us for the, for, the, for the matter of punishment. It's more a review. It's going to be an examination of what did we do with the life that God gave us after salvation. Uh, remember, Paul said we need to redeem the time because the days are evil. And we need to redeem the time. We need to take every opportunity to use the time that God has given us on this earth wisely. And he is going to examine how did we use that time. What did we do with that time? And, and he's going to take... And, and the purpose of this isn't for punishment. Uh, it's for reward. And he wants to reward us for our faithfulness. So remember that um, all of my punishment, all of my punishment was 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 uh, remitted at Calvary. People go around and, and say God punishes. God doesn't punish us. You know what? God's laws are their own enforcers. When we violate one of God's laws, there's a consequence for that. And that's 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 not God punishing us. That's just the consequences of our actions. So we need to be careful with that thought that, that God is going around with a big switch punishing everybody. Uh, he's not doing that. He's not even punishing. Really, God is not right now even punishing the, the unsaved. Uh, he's, they can do what they want. He's, he's going to punish them one day, though. He's going to judge them and cast them into hell. So let's remember that. So the judgment of the saints, we're talking about God reviewing our lives. And we've already given eight different things. I'm not going to run through them right now. But today, number nine, <clears throat> I want to remind us that God is going to examine how faithful we are to witness. How faithful we are to witness. In Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, we read, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the season which the Father hath put in his power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, uh, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. Pray before we go any further. Father, again, we do, we do thank you, Lord, for the great honor and blessing it is to, to belong to a New Testament church and, and to have a place to come to fellowship, to serve, and to glorify you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Bless it, this hour as we study your word and instruct us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3, Daniel writes, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, 
and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. This morning, I would like to look at the aspect of our Christian life, uh, that of our witness for Christ. What exactly does the scripture mean when it refers to our witness? Well, Webster defines uh, witness as uh, to attest or to give testimony to or to testify of something. So, the vocabulary definition of witness is to to have knowledge of an event. Uh, Of course, in in our court system, it's it's to have intimate knowledge and to have actually seen and observed an event. Now, we must understand that there is more than one sense in the meaning of witness. Certainly, we understand that to witness something would suggest that we are present and we observe the occurrence. However, in a spiritual sense, in a scriptural sense, uh, it's equally important to understand that we can attest to the truth of Scripture through our internal witness, through the intimate knowledge we have within us, and that is, of course, the Holy Spirit of God. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So we have within us this eternal, perpetual witness to the truth of the word of God. You know, the Bible says, natural man receiveth not the things of God. Unsaved men can hear scripture and it has no meaning to them. Why? Because it can, the words of God can only be spiritually discerned. In other words, concerning the mysteries of God's word, we need a translator. And who is our translator? The Holy Spirit of God. Now, does the Holy Spirit indwell every man on earth? No. Who do, whom does he, did, who does he indwell? Christian people. The elect saints of God. So you and I have, have been given a witness. We have been given the witness to truth. And that witness is the Holy Spirit. So we need to understand that. We can give witness to something that we did not see. Someone comes to me and says, did Jesus die at Calvary? I can say, yes, he did. Were you there? No, I was not. But the Holy Spirit, which dwells within me, was. So we have a witness. Uh, Thomas doubted, didn't he? In John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believed. So you and I are are very blessed today because we have something that even Thomas at that moment did not have. We have the the witness of the indwelling spirit. Remember, Thomas wasn't present on the day of Pentecost. You remember that when Jesus appeared? He wasn't present. So... Uh, oh, oh, actually, I'm wrong in saying that. 
the day of Pentecost, he was there. But when Jesus first appeared to the disciples, Thomas wasn't present. And we know that at that time, had the, had the Holy Ghost fallen upon man yet? No. Not, not when Jesus first appeared. The Holy Ghost hadn't fallen upon him yet. So at that moment in time, you and I had something that even Thomas didn't have yet. He did not yet possess, the Spirit did not yet dwell within him. So he did not yet possess that witness. So it's very important. Um, so we, ha- we have a witness within us. Um, we were not present to see Christ with our physical eyes, yet we bear witness to him today. However, it must be noted that there are many today across this world that, that claim to bear a witness unto the Lord, yet they are not any of his elect children. So there's lots of witnesses out there, isn't there? Um, now, just because there are lots of witnesses out there, people testifying to know Jesus who do not know him at all, does that negate our witness? Does that negate our testimony unto the Lord? And I would say no. So what makes my witness different from their witness? Well, quickly, there are three fundamental elements to our witness that are peculiar and unique to God's children. First, Our witness is confirmed. Our witness is confirmed. In Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 25, it says, A true witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. The proof is in the pudding. You can disguise something. One one year I was, uh, we were at uh, at Mount Gilead and I was illustrating a point to the teenagers. And I took an apple and wrapped it in caramel. And I took an onion and I wrapped it in caramel. And I put them both out there. And I asked for two volunteers. And they came forward. I said, each of you pick up one of these nice caramel encased pieces of food. (laughs) One took a bite, it was an apple. The other took a bite, it was an onion. And... They both appeared to be the same, though, didn't they? And so, uh, what Solomon is saying in Proverbs is this. A true witness, when he witnesses, people are saved. It delivers souls from hell. But a false witness, when he witnesses, uh, speaketh lies. So, we have to understand that. Our witness is proven by the results of, of our witness, and that is people are saved. So when we witness, men are saved. Our witness is confirmed. Secondly, our witness is certain. Not only is our witness confirmed, but secondly, it's certain. In Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6, this is a well-known verse. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now you see, the truth is we do not go forth and witness to see men saved. Uh, 30, almost 36 years ago, I, I, I got saved and began witnessing for Christ. And, and I've, never, I've never gone witnessing hoping that, I, that men will be saved. I go forth witnessing knowing that men will be saved. Now, I may not see them saved, but 
the Lord will use that seed that I planted. He'll water it and it'll grow and one day they will be saved. Our witness is certain. We will see men saved. There will be people saved from the work and effort that we put forth as witnesses for Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 21 states, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And thirdly, our witness is comforting. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20 through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yes, our, our witness, the, the, the true witness of, of the children of God, do not bind men in burdens or sorrow. Our, our witness isn't to, to bind men, as is the witness of so many other religions, which heaps up all these, these uh, uh, sacraments and all these responsibilities upon men. Our witness is simple, isn't it? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn to the Lord and, and believe in him and receive him, and ye shall be saved. That's our witness. Our witness isn't uh, come in and kneel in the front row, say 15 Hail Marys, 25 Our Fathers, and three Confidiors, and, and, and pound yourself on the chest for 15 minutes, and then crawl out of here on your knees and go forth, and maybe you'll be saved. That's not our witness. Our witness is comforting. So we see these we see these attributes to the witness of God's children that make it peculiar from all of those who would, who would be false witnesses. So now that we've defined being a witness for Christ, and now that we've distinguished our witness uh, from those of the cults in this world, let us examine the why of being a witness for Christ. Why must I be a faithful witness? Well, let me share some thoughts with you. Uh, this morning in the time I have. First of all, letter A, we witness because God commands it. We witness because God commands it. Matthew chapter 28, we all know these verses. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now this passage, of course, is, is what we refer to as the Great Commission. It is the marching orders uh, for the church. Now, we have to understand that a commission is a charge given to an individual entrusting them with the task and the authority to perform the task. So, uh, an officer, for instance, in the military, goes through all his training, he's taught everything he needs to know, then he receives his commission. He receives his commission as an officer of the United States military. And that commission empowers him and gives him the authority 
to perform his tasks in the name of the United States government, in the military. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a power, it's authority. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He commissioned us. He commissioned the church. Now, some people like to, some, some individual members like to just sit back and say, oh, wait, now the Lord commissioned the church. Well, what is the church? That's right. The church is you and me. We're the church. The church is not some invisible, invisible, mystical thing. That's where the thought of the universal church came in. Well, if God, if God commissioned the church, and the church is some invisible thing, then how does any witnessing get done? No, the church is the people. The people constitute the church. So the witness is our responsibility. We're commissioned. We're empowered. We're given the authority to go forth and witness unto the truth of the gospel. God has commanded it. God has commissioned the church and, accordingly, the individual believer to go forth and preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before Jesus was taken up into heaven, he said, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And that, that right there tells me that the witness of of, of people who are not born again is a false witness. Why? Because you only get the commission, you only get the power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's why before I got saved on November 29th, 1981, I, did, I could care less about the gospel. But once I got saved on November 29th, 1981, all I wanted to do was preach the gospel. All I wanted to do was give witness of Christ. Why? Because the witness had come upon me. We possess the witness of Christ. We possess the witness of God within us. We've been commanded. Now, let me share a few thoughts with you concerning our commission. In this commission, we see the task. And the task of the commission is to be a witness unto Christ. Our task is not to build mega churches. You know, the, these guys running around the, the world like, like uh, Olstein and all these guys uh, building these, what they call these big mega churches. They, they, what, about, what about the little preacher in Kentucky somewhere up in, the, up in one of the hollers? How many of you know what a holler is? What about a little preacher up in the holler who has five people in his church? Is he, is he a failure? Is he doing a bad job? Is God going to push everyone out the way? When, when, when he gets to heaven, God's going to push him out the way to, to welcome the man who built the megachurch? Listen, if God has given a man the ability to build a megachurch, praise the Lord, then build it. But God, God cares about the witness of that little preacher in that little holler who only has 25 people that live around him. God cares about his witness just as much. And his witness is just as important. The task is to be a witness for Christ. Not to build megachurches. That's God. God builds the church, by the way. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, the Lord added to the church. The Lord added 
to the church daily, such as should be saved. Our task is not to build empires. First Peter chapter 5, we read, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be received. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Now listen, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. We're not, we're not supposed to be building empires. We're not, we're not, trying, to, we're not trying to gather people more loyal to, to us than they are to God. And that, you see a lot of that in America today. You see, you see a lot of men building churches where, where people worship and idolize them. Spend less time worshiping the man of God and more time worshiping the God of man. And you'll be all right. So our task is to witness to everyone we meet, not with arrogance or pride, but with humility and compassion. But secondly, concerning this commission, we see the authority. And the authority is the power of the Holy Spirit. All power is given unto me, declares our Lord uh, and Savior Jesus Christ. In the military, an officer has the authority of the United States Congress behind him in his commission. And in the Christian life, all the power in the universe rests in Christ, and it is by the Holy Spirit that Christ communicates and works in us today. And the authority in our commission is the power of the Holy Spirit. So we must be faithful witnesses today because God has commanded us to be so. But then secondly, uh, letter B on your study sheets, we must witness because the gospel compels it. Luke chapter 14, we read, And the the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. We are compelled to be witnesses for Christ. Now, I touched on this last week, or two weeks ago when I, when I taught, uh, when discussing the fact that love is compelling. It causes us to do things that we otherwise would not do. And so it is with our witness for Christ. You know, it's not a natural thing to, for one person to go out and talk to someone else about the Lord and to urge them to, to come to church and urge them to worship Christ. That's, that's not appealing to the flesh. But the Holy Spirit within us compels us to do that. Have you ever, have you ever been compelled to talk to someone about Christ? I mean... Have you ever just been someplace and someone walked up to you and you looked at them and there was just this urgency within you? There was this urge to, hey, go talk to that person. That happened to Philip. Philip was walking by and he looked over and saw the eunuch and he got compelled to go talk to the eunuch, didn't he? I've had that happen many times in my my life where I'll see a person and I'll, I'll be compelled to just go over and talk to them. And when I do, that the opportunity is open and the opportunity to, to, to witness to them uh, presents itself. And we need, to take, we need to take advantage of those because 
the gospel compels us to be a witness. The Holy Spirit within us urges us. And he, he tells us, go over there and, and, and talk to that person. The seeds of the gospel that have been planted in our hearts demands to be set free. They demand to be sown unto men in this world. We must be a faithful witness because God commands it. We must be a faithful witness because the gospel compels it. The seeds of the gospel within us desire to be set free. They, they won't grow within us. We must, we must sow them. I could, I, could, I could go out and rent a pillar, which I have done, and I rue the day I did. And I could go in my backyard and till up my ground, which I did, and I rue the day I did. And I could go down to the, to the store and I could buy a sack of seeds. And I could bring those seeds home. I could set them on the couch and I could wrap a blanket around them. And, and I could just let them stay there. And I go out in my yard two months later and say, well, where's all the fruit? Where's everything that, where's, where's, nothing's growing except weeds. Well, of course, stupid. Why? I'm calling myself stupid. Because you didn't spread the seeds. They're sitting on your couch, and they're nice and warm and toasty, but they're not going to grow where they are. They're not going to reproduce anything. I love that song, My House is Full. And in that song, it's, it states that children love to be around his table and love to fellowship and, and love to have good food to eat. But no one wants to go out into the fields. And, and that's pretty much a picture of Christianity in America today. We've gotten so comfortable in the house of God. We've gotten so comfortable growing in doctrine. But we forgot to let the seeds out. We've forgotten to sow, sow the seeds. So, we must do so. We must be faithful witnesses because the gospel compels us to go out and just give that seed. And listen, you don't, you don't have to be, you don't have to go stand on the street corner and preach to cars as they pass by. If you have the courage to do, I don't have the courage to do that, but if you do, go ahead. And I don't have the courage. I think I, I, think I lack the, the grit to do it, is what I should say. But if, that, if you have that, then go do it and praise the Lord. But if you don't have the ability to do that, then just uh, be a witness to Christ in any way you can. Talk to people. Don't be afraid to say, you know, God is so good and blesses us in so many ways. They'll either look at you and turn around and walk away, or they'll say, yeah, you know, I feel that way too. And the door opens for you to talk to them. And, and listen, don't be afraid to be rejected. Don't be afraid to have someone say, well, you're just an idiot, and turn around and walk away. But spread those seeds. Just be a witness to everyone you meet. But then, thirdly, letter C, we must witness because our conscience demands it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also 
are made manifest in your conscious. Our conscious demands that we be a witness for Christ. I spoke last time I taught two weeks ago, I spoke of my friend Sam, who I failed to witness to. All these years, I've had to live with this guilt on my conscience. I do not know how. I don't know what I'm going to say when I have to face him in that dreadful day when he will be condemned for all eternity. See, I, I believe I'm going to have to face him. I may, I may be wrong. You may disagree. And if you do, I, I, okay. But in my heart, I believe that when, when he stands before the Lord and, 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 and he's being condemned, I, have, I just have this belief that I'm going to be standing somewhere nearby and our eyes are going to meet. I don't, know, I don't know what I would possibly say to someone who I called a friend and I had the opportunity to share the gospel with him. Would he have gotten saved? I don't know. That's not my responsibility, is it? But I had the opportunity to do that and I didn't. And my conscience burns because of that. Now, we have to be cautious in the matter of the conscience. The Bible speaks of our conscience being seared with a hot iron. In other words, our conscience can become callous and we can stop feeling guilty. First uh, Timothy chapter 1, we read, This charge I commit unto thee, Timothy, according to the prophecies which were, went before on thee, that thou uh, by them mightest war a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. Put away their conscience. Their conscience has become dull to this truth. And, and they walk through life and walk past people and no conscience whatsoever about preaching the gospel. Now, in closing, what should we do as witnesses of Christ? Let me give you these thoughts and we're done. First, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Romans chapter 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call in, whom, in him of, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Listen, we're all preachers. We may not all be preachers in the pulpit, but we're all preachers of the gospel. And we need to preach the gospel. And we need to preach the gospel to everyone we, we have opportunity. Secondly, what do we do? Walk in truth. Walk in truth. Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. When we walk in the Spirit, when we live our life in the, in the will of God and, and, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, when we do this, our heart's desire is to be a witness. And then thirdly, what do we do? Love is Christ. 
love as Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Love as Christ loved. Love those people that you see. So often I, at work, I hear people say things, I see people do things, and I think, oh, if they only knew. But not just there, the grocery store, across the street, my neighbors. If they only knew. Well, how are they going to know without you? Think about that. They're not going to know. You know, I told you the other day about some of the people over there always saying OMG and calling out the name of Jesus. And and I've said things to some of them. The other day, one of those that I had spoken to said, oh, and used Jesus' name. And he stopped and he looked over at me and said, sorry, Dalton. I said, hey, you don't need to be sorry to me. And he looked at me, just shook his head. You know what? We may, not, we may not change the entire world, but we might change one life. We might affect one person. I don't know, maybe, maybe one day that guy will, will get saved. And, and it was simply because I spoke up and shared a truth. And you know what? One of these days it might cost me my job. If that's, if that's, that's so be it. One day, I, I'll, I'll finish with this. One day, I, I was working for a guy, and he, and he and I stopped to have lunch, and we sat at the table, and I witnessed to him. I didn't, just, I didn't just share little thoughts. I witnessed to him. And I told him, I said, you need to believe in the Lord, or you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Our relationship changed dramatically after that. And... Before too much longer, another job opportunity opened up, and I took that other job. And you know, I I believe in my heart the Lord put me on that job with him so I could witness to him. And when I did what the Lord wanted me to do, the Lord said, okay, we got another task for you. Let's go over here. And the other job, I traveled with a guy constantly who was a Catholic. And boy, did we ever have some good conversations as we drove along in his car. So you never know who the Lord's going to bring to you. So you need to be ready to witness to everybody that he does. God's going to look at how we witness for him. All right, folks, thanks for uh, being here this morning. You are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.